welcome to this episode of The Making of an Exception. If this is your first time tuning in, this podcast is for anyone who's looking to be inspired, to gain new perspective on life, or is aspiring to live out their faith in whatever field you find yourself in. Each week, we'll be interviewing influencers and creatives who are exceptions to the rule. The fact that they've gone through what they've gone through, walked through the challenges and pain that they have, and have been gifted the way they've been gifted is what makes them an exception. Our goal is that you'd hear this story today, and you'd be inspired and challenged to be an exception in the making. If this podcast has impacted your life, you can help support by going to our website, exceptionpodcast.co, and clicking the Patreon link or by finding it in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support, and thanks for listening. Hey, welcome to the Making of an Exception podcast. My name is Kirk Graham, and today we've got a special guest. His name is Bryce Farrell. What's up, Bryce? Thanks for being here. What's going on? Thanks for having me. Yes, Bryce uh, is a hero of mine. I say it, I say it like genuine, uh, meaning that we're not best friends, but uh, I've been able to see you live your life and build uh, your business kind of from a distance uh, through some of the people that work for you. And everything that I've ever heard about you and every interaction that I've had about you is like, I, there's, there's so much of who you are that I want to be like genuinely. Um, and so even just watching from a distance, I appreciate it. But Bryce owns uh, 10th floor properties, uh, 10th floor. What do you, yeah, yeah, what properties, do you call them? Property properties. management. Yeah, yeah. Brokerage group. Yeah. yeah. So 10, uh, 10th floor, uh, your property manager, you I mean, you're, taking care of a ton of buildings, mostly in Minneapolis, yep. uh, Minneapolis area, uptown specifically. Um, so you own a bunch of buildings, you manage a bunch of properties, um, and uh, and you're going to explain a little bit more of what you're doing. Uh, that's a terrible introduction, <laughs> but, <very> <clears throat> uh, but it's also a world that I don't really understand completely, uh, like a little bit, but... Um, you, you got into the property management, uh, business when you were young, uh, and now you built your own company, which is like successful. I always tell people when I'm introducing, like I'm saying, Oh yeah, Bryce. Um, cause you're helping me buy a house right now. But when I tell people about you, I'm like, yeah, he owns half of uptown. So you would be like, don't say that, but <laughs> yeah, a little exaggeration, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good goal. But, but uptown is kind of your spot. Um, and that's where your office is, but tell yeah. us a little bit more about what 10th floor is and, and all like the different arms of real estate that you guys yeah, are for sure. In. 10th floor is a property management company. So I started doing property management O2 yep. uh, through another gentleman. Um, did some condo conversions with him, learned the property management game, brought me in at a young age with no experience. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, um, you know, it's a lot of leasing, organization, problem solving. So uh, when you have an issue in your apartment, you call us, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, renewing leases and just and just leasing vacant space out. So yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I have you know three, four staff members that work for us. Controller, three other leasing agents. Um, have properties from the U of M uptown, just starting kind of in, into uh, downtown Minneapolis. Yeah, um, and then some way down in Farmington. Um, then we do have a brokerage side, which is typically multifamily. We're helping you with your house. Yeah. Um, but our main focus is multifamily real estate. So yeah, it's not something we heavily focus on, but I think internally I'm always looking to buy. Um, so we have Ethan, one of the staff members yeah. kind of put him in place. Dave Roppy, another guy who works kind of with slash four, um, that's in place. That's calling cold calling on properties, Charlie Hornig. 
uh, calling, cold calling on properties, and they can bring them out to a third party or first to us and yep. say, hey, you know, Bryce, you're interested in buying? Yeah. So, so 10th floor, you own, you own a bunch of buildings, multifamily or not multifamily. Is that yeah, what it's called? Apartments? Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. So you own a bunch of apartment buildings, um, but also you manage for other people that own buildings. Right. So it's like, do you know how many units you have? Yeah. Or so how, I like have 15 buildings that I personally own yep. and overall we manage uh, 750 units. So Joel told me it's right around 90 to 100 buildings in total. Uh, we're a little unique. A lot of the management companies... With four people. With four people. A lot of the... Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's efficiently ran. We'll put it that way. <laughs> but a lot of the uh, apartment companies in the suburbs will run a 500 unit, a 250 unit, a 100 unit building. Yeah. Um, our niche has always kind of been that 20 units, 25 units and under. Yeah. Uh, we do have a 105 unit uh, building in Bloomington. Yeah. But the majority of our product is smaller. Well, some of those build yeah, some of those buildings have 100 units. Yeah. But you're talking 90 to 100 buildings that you look after. Right. Yep. I mean, the phone has got to be ringing all yeah, the time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like it's insane. It started with cell phones and that's slowly fading away. So, um, you know, you're waking up at 2 in the morning. Um, getting calls here and there. Now we have a maintenance staff that's in place. So we have three full-time maintenance guy, guys, one roving guy who's a, a 1099 guy. So now um, you're not doing the midnight calls. Right. So we're not getting the midnight calls. It rolls right to those maintenance guys, which is huge. I mean, we always are that kind of third tier within it. If yeah. you can't get the maintenance guy right away, if it doesn't hit the second maintenance guy, it hits, you know, myself, Joel, Ethan, depending yeah. on what property. And you're, you're mid-30s right now, and you've built... A Say multi, late thirties, late thirties. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, multi, multi, multi million. Like, I mean, uh, I mean, this is a big business that you've built from, and it's been how many years have you been building? When did tenth floor start? Uh, oh, I would say 2010, 11, right in there. Yeah, um, you know, and, and we're a small player. I mean, to yeah, be kind of humble with it. You're talking eight or nine years, right? Like from from nothing before. Yeah. And, and this started, I mean, you have to go back to, you know, 2001, 2002, there was a gentleman, Clark Gasson, who's a, a large developer yeah. um, in Minneapolis, did the walkway building, the Edgewater, Flow Cofusion on the U of M campus, yeah, is yeah. down at the River Walk. Do you manage all these now? No. So I managed his uptown portfolio. Got he it. has his own staff, but it's unique because he has a management company. Yeah. So there's no need to third party us out and he chooses to. Yeah. Um, but he, he gave me a shot you know, I had told you, you know, prior to the podcast, yeah. you know, um, I called him for a year How straight. old were you? Uh, 1920 at the time. So you're, you just wrapped up high school and working mortgage banking. Um, so that you, that's what you thought you were going to do. You're going to be a mortgage broker. Yeah, I mean, no, but it was an opportunity, yeah. right? I was a D student. Uh, you just struggled with dyslexia, reading, different things like that. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about it. I didn't have an opportunity. This was an opportunity. Yes. You got me in. Um, you know, and, and while I sat there and did mortgage banking, I continued to add to my goal book, continued to just stand on scriptures and, and read through confessions. And when there was an income coming in and yeah. you were frustrated, you'd go back to that goal book. And yeah. uh, Clark walked in one day and to meet with the owner, uh, the Sherry Martin, who was, was yeah. a huge influence, um, young, yeah. you know, business wise in my life, along with this Pat Shaw who worked there, who was awesome. But, um, Clark came in one day in a, a beat up Iowa Hawkeye t-shirt, um, you know, <laughs> half tucked into his jeans, super charismatic. And there was something different about him and, and <laughs> finding out a few years. I love that his sweatshirt was half tucked into his yeah, jeans. Yeah. Just like, just, <laughs> it was Clark. You have to know Clark. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and, and finding out years later that he just was drawn to me because he felt like there was something different about me. Yeah. You know, whatever it was. I believe it was the favor of God on my yeah, side. Yeah, because your perspective is you are D student, dyslexic, <clears throat> not like not qualified for any level of like big business right. or to run a company right. or anything like that. And this guy says there's something different on you. Right. And, and, and uh, yeah, what is so it? I had called him you know, on and off for a year. I mean, once a week, every other week type of a thing. He, his dad owned, um, you know, one of the largest management companies in the Midwest for associations. So condominium management, we manage yeah. apartment buildings, so separate Different. businesses. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Clark, always seeing markets, always forward thinking, like kind yep. of before things are happening, yep. um, bought, I think, a six unit, he'd probably correct that, but I think it was a six unit in Linden Hills in, yep. in Minneapolis, and turned it into condominiums. Like no one was doing that. No one had done it since the eighties. So turning townhomes or apartments so into condos. Turned apartments. So apartments, when you have yeah. an apartment building, you have one PID like your house. So yep. a property identification number. Yeah. One apartment building has the same thing. But yeah. if you have six units in there and can create six, six property yeah. identification numbers, now you have six homes, right? Yeah. Six single family places to sell or, or multifamily places to sell condominium. So he turned those into condos. I don't know. I think he made him and his business partner 180 grand, so like 90 grand each. Yeah. And I think he realized at that time I have something. Yeah. Um, I don't remember how much he owned prior to that. I remember he couldn't, you know, was having a hard time making his car payment on his on on the car he drove. And so when you met him, he was <clears throat> just starting. Just starting. I mean, came out of college, worked for his dad. You know, I'm probably butchering his story a little bit, but for like yeah. 35 grand a year. And, you know, he's a graduate of the University of Iowa, Big Ten School. His yeah. buddies are going to the stock exchange. His buddies are working in downtown Chicago. And Clark's yeah. like, are you kidding me? You're paying me 35 grand a year. And, yeah. and But learned, you know, and I think is humble enough to, to sit and understand what he was getting and then uh, broke out on his own. So I caught him kind of as he's breaking out on his own. So why would you call him for a year though? If it's like, <clears throat> did you have a sense of like, I think this guy's somebody to follow or did you like, you just liked him? Yeah. Or. Well, so Sherry, I worked for said, Hey, if he's turning apartments into condominiums, you have the ability to sit in those yep. with a real estate agent selling them and become the mortgage guy. Yeah. Right. So Got there it. was a tie in with the current business, Yes. but in talking to him, that's not, anything he was really entertaining. Um, and I didn't really enjoy what I was doing at the time, you know? Yep. And, uh, you know, as I called him, his big thing was, look, I don't have, I don't have money to pay you. I can't afford an assistant. I can't afford someone. And I was like, I'll file paperwork. I just, I'll, I'll do whatever you need me to do. So I'll trail you. Right. Yeah. You're saying I'll, I'll, I'll just volunteer for you. Yeah. And it became after about six months, that's what it became like, all right, I'll volunteer for you. I, I'll do whatever for free. Um, six months later. So 12 months kind of into this harassment. Yeah. Finally, he's like, dude. And he always says, dude, dude, dude. you're frustrating me. And, uh, says, meet me at Perkins in Golden yep. Valley. Meet me at Perkins, uh, at 4.30, and I was like, tomorrow afternoon? He's like, dude, tomorrow morning. 4.30 so in the morning. met him at 4.30 in the morning. And at that time, I think we're, you know, maybe I'm 21, 22, had been married three years. Is, he, have, do, is he doing a breakfast at 4.30, or is he doing no, like a chicken tender like, melt? Wait, yeah, at that time, I think he was doing coffee to wake himself up. Nice. So um, I walked in there. You know, I'd been married at that time two, three years. We got married young and uh, have maybe a six-month-old at the time. Yep have a house payment, you know, yeah. built a house out of high school, which is another story, but was a blessing. And so, you know, I have responsibility, you know, not that he doesn't, but here's a single guy, like trying to start a business and, yeah. uh, um, 
You know, You've got a wife and a kid in the house. Wife and a kid. I, have, I literally have 15 grand in my name, right? My yeah. house payment's 1,080 a month. Like yeah. you have this all dialed down. My wife thinks I'm working at the mortgage company. I'm sitting with some crazy guy at 4.30 in the morning at a Perkins. Yep. And uh, I brought a yellow pad, which impressed him, I guess, but had a yellow pad with me and had one question on there and it just said, why? I didn't want him to see it, so it was folded over. No. So he looks at me, he's like, dude, why do you keep calling me? And I said, well, that's funny because my question is, why do you keep answering the phone? Like, well, why yeah, would yeah. you even entertain this? Yeah. And he's like, if you want to come in Saturdays, <clears throat> Saturdays turn to 6 a.m. to noon, 6 a.m. to noon within, I think, two months, a month, turned into full-time job. Now, I use the word job lightly because it was a full-time job that I wasn't getting paid for. Right. Um, then some things happened with one of his condo conversions that started taking off where they fired the project manager that they had. Yep. And... Uh, put me in that position. It really, it, where he didn't even want me, one of his main investors wanted me. Um, but I think, I think Clark trusted me and I think he continued to put things into me, which was yeah. the key. Um, you know, and I, I stepped into that role and it worked out. And, and six months later, they handed me my first paycheck. And, and I remember when um, the investor handed me the check, you know, I'm wearing a backpack and kind of baggy yeah. dress clothes. I can't, can't really afford what I'm, yeah, yeah. what I'm supposed to be dressed like and handed me the check. And, <laughs> I can't afford what I'm supposed to be dressed like. I love it. So I put, you know, take my backpack off, stick my my check in there, or thank you card is what I thought it was. And he's like, open it up. And I open it up, and there's a check. And, you know, I see this check, and I'm like, dang. And he takes it back from me. And, uh, you know, immediately you're like, and he goes, hey, anybody can make money, but few people can produce wealth. He always called me kids. He's like, kid, anybody can make money, few people can produce wealth. Yeah. And he's like, don't be stupid, and handed it back to me and put it in there. And like that hit me because my mother-in-law, future mother-in-law at the time, at a young age had kind of yep. said that to me. Sherry had said that to me. Yeah. You know, moving forward, people have said that. So it's funny to kind of continue to get that little thing. Anybody can make money. Few, Few people, people can, can produce, produce wealth. wealth. And I think, you know, when you start talking real estate and we've talked before, yeah. you know, when you go to a job, you have income. And when you own something beyond your job that produces income, you have passive income, right? Yeah. So what builds the wealth that creates a passive income that can be life sustaining compared to a job that the second I stop working at, whether I'm 30 or 70, yeah, like the I income's need gone. Another job. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. Right. And that's what you've built. You built uh, for your family uh, a bunch of passive income. You could retire tomorrow and you're good. <clears throat> well, I mean, in not theory. that you want to. In theory, <laughs> yeah. right. <clears throat> yeah. No, it's crazy. How, like, what, how did you get into more, like, to, to do the mortgage thing? Like, wh- where did real estate come from? Did somebody say, hey, you're not very good at school, so this is a good thing to go into? Like, right. are people like, that are listening, they're going, I feel like I, I feel similar. I identify, should I be a real estate agent? Yeah. Um, so I was a teacher aide for yeah. the athletic director. And there always wasn't a ton of stuff to do. So I would go down to the kindergarten class. In high school? In high school. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I was K through 12. I went to a small private school. So um, would go down to this kindergarten class and and help out. And that teacher was funded by the owner of the mortgage company. So they they had people who would donate to each class. Yeah. Was funded by the owner of that mortgage company. And then her husband actually worked for the owner of that mortgage company. Got it. Uh, That's the Pat Shaw and the Sherry Martin that I spoke of. So, um, you know. That the teacher was a big influence during school. Um, it was very encouraging. Would come to my baseball games. Was just somebody I felt comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, again, along with like your influence, my mother-in-law, future mother-in-law at the time, yeah. like speaking into my life. And I think you surround yourself with people that can, you know, that can yeah. add to your life, whether you realize it or not. I mean, I think that's where you feel led by the spirit, kind of yeah. who to surround yourself with. And, yeah. 
um, you know, out of high school, they offered essentially offered me a job and, yeah. um, you know, started there and Yo, you know, the crazy. was history. You, you were telling me about your mother-in-law. Uh, there's a moment in your life that um, she, she was like, hey, are you going to be part of this family? Whatever, you're dating her yeah. daughter. And then she she said, what are, what are the goals you have for your life? Yeah. Tell that story because you had never really set goals for your life or right. thought that way. Right. But yeah. it's impacted you, obviously. For sure. So I'm at, you know, at their house probably fifth, sixth time, you know, and again, my freshman year, their eighth grade year. So uh, you're school. 15. I'm fi- 14, yeah. 15 14. years old, yeah. right? Um, sitting, I remember distinctly sitting at their kitchen table. The house smells like potpourri. It's four girls in this house. So it's chaos <laughs> at all times. Um, you know, the dad's making spaghetti at the the counter. Who's not acknowledging me on my sixth time, uh, no. you know, in the house. Cause he doesn't like want me talk, yeah, yeah, yeah. talking to his daughter. Um, but you know, the, the, the crazy mother-in-law, the positive mother-in-law, the encouraging mother-in-law, you know, said, Hey, you know, do you think you're going to be a part of this family? Are you coming over here a lot more? And I was yeah, like, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't 14. know. Right. Like, I don't, this is crazy. I have no clue. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, and I said, I, I think so. I mean, I guess. And she's like, all right, well, if you want to be a part of our family, you need to set goals for your life. Walks out of the kitchen, comes back in with a notepad and a pen. And inevitably from that point, you know, spent the next 10 years with me, but especially through high school, just drilling in, 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 in conversation, right? This yeah, wasn't yeah. someone who at times would preach at you or would be upset, but right. um, I think was someone who genuinely was drawn to me and, yep. and genuinely felt led to be a part of my life and genuinely felt led to, to pray things out for me. Yeah. Um, as I think my mom did foundationally as a child. And then I think, you know, w- what better, you have kids, I have kids, what, what, what better thing could happen in your kid's life than another person come in and pick up, you know, where you are with your child yeah. and encourage them to a totally different level. Holy. And I think my mother-in-law came in and, you know, had us, you know, by the time I was 18 years old, I had a three ring binder, which I still yeah. keep next to my bed and take to work with me, yeah. but a three ring binder from, you know, pictures of million dollar homes on Lake Minnetonka to stuff out in Montana to what I wanted my kids to look like, be like, you know, I mean, no way. a couple of little things in there. Like I bind the spirit of mediocrity for my children. Yeah, you yeah. know, my children understand that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. Greater yeah, is he, yeah. you know, so taking scriptures with thoughts, right? Now, how old are your kids? Uh, so I have 16, 13 and 11. Yeah. So three kids and they're old enough to potentially be walking in those things that you wrote yeah. down. A long time. So ago. my 13 year old is a big goal setter herself. But yeah. yeah, you see things. I mean, there's times definitely that I'm frustrated, and I, you know, I sat down and we go to an alternative medicine doctor. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was talking to her, and which she's is like, like natural, like like herbs and stuff like yeah, that, yeah. as opposed to pills, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so while she's giving me my garlic pill or whatever it may <laughs> be for 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 that month, um, it was like, hey, your stress levels are high, and like yeah. you just got to calm down and. I, I don't know whether she's saved or not. I kind of feel like she is, but yeah. she said, Hey, you got to learn to cast your cares. Like, yeah. doesn't the Bible say that? It kind of <laughs> smiles. And I walk out and I was like, Why is she was that real? And did that just happen? Yeah. And so, you know, with my 16 year old, she just yeah. stresses me out. My wife at times stresses me out yeah. business. And so like the last two months have been really focused on just kind of casting, literally cares, visualizing yeah. it, wadding it up, tossing yeah, yeah. it up. He catches it and try to release it. So you uh, you were saying your daughter is a goal setter, um, yeah. Like wh- what? Yeah. What are your kids like, and how? Like how have you tried to like intentionally, uh, yeah, just in raising them up? Do you want them to take over this business? Are you going to gift it to them? Is it like a legacy thing? You're going to send them to college? Like yeah. yeah. How are you raising them up? Yeah. So I think you know you have three different personalities. 
Um, so I have the 16 year olds is very genuine, um, yeah. very sensitive, caring, um, competitive, um, but self analyzes in a positive and negative way and, and probably lacks self-confidence in a way. I think yeah. some of that comes from a type A dad. Yeah. And I think when you have kids that, you know, we a kid at 21 years old, um, you know, you're immature at 25, 26, 27 parenting that kid, you yeah. know, and I think there's things that I would change or things that I would have done differently. But I yeah. think that you, you look back and go, okay, I mean, I can't do anything about it. So we're going to pray yeah, it out and, and he's going to grow from it. Knew, and yeah. It was what it was. So, um, you know, he, he has now kind of hit his stride where he's like, this is what I'm pressing for. This is what I'm going to become. I walked in his bathroom the other day, making sure it was clean with two boys sharing a bathroom and he's got scriptures on his mirror and no confessions way. from the height he wants to be. No uh, way. It's like, I'm six foot five in the name of Jesus. I throw 95 plus miles an hour. He's lefty. No. So he wants to pitch. Yeah. Um, but so his goal is, uh, all state high school baseball yeah. player, all American collegiate baseball player, yeah. a perennial major league all-star. So now we also have conversation with him that there's a bigger picture, right? Yeah. And he was at uh, a facility in Edina working out the other day and a, a guy comes up to him and triple a player from Milwaukee yeah. and said, Hey, you know, what are we doing? Where are we going with this? What are you seeing? And Caden's like this with my swing. And he's like, let me help you. And just helped us. And had a guy said, Hey, you know, I heard you played, where'd you play? And went through his whole story. Yeah. Um, the key to his whole story wasn't how he got there. And I, and I was explaining this to, we got in the car and I said, Caden, what'd you learn in the next morning? I said, what did you learn from whatever his name was, yeah. uh, who, who talked to us? And he's like, well, hard work pays off. He was a 34th round draft pick, got a $2,000 signing bonus. So he was a penny stock. Yeah. He made it to AAA. Like he's a high A ball guy that never, yeah. never goes anywhere else. And he said, well, he honed his craft. He told us if, he, cause he was a catcher, he could throw guys out. And that was the key. I said, yeah. no, no, no. What he told us was his biggest mistake was he focused so much on baseball and he had no other vision for his life. And he literally used the word vision that now he's 28 years old, 27 years That's old, he's and he's doing. confused what he's doing. And so I was like, there's a bigger picture to all this. Yeah. And the bigger picture is wh like, what's that? Cause at 45 baseball is done at 22 yeah. baseball is done at 18 baseball is done. At some point there's an ending to it. Right. Yeah. So what's that next step look like? So yeah. I think he likes finance economics. My daughter is, like I said, a huge goal setter. And I was telling you the story about the goats. So yeah, she yeah. is someone who visualizes and obsesses. And I think, um, you know, is able to, to really dive into her vision and dive into a prayer life. I think, yeah. you know, certain people that can kind of, um, you know, really process things mentally and almost get lost in their own thoughts can be very dangerous and can yeah. and, and, and curved properly. Right. Right. You'll be very, very successful. Yeah. So, you know, she was dreaming about goats one day and comes down the steps all happy, joy. Like we're getting goats. And we're getting goats. We're getting goats because I saw them in the backyard because I was, they were jumping on me. And, and, you know, my boys aren't like that, but that doesn't yeah. mean that, you know, they don't have yeah. their own way. My little one is, you know, tough and cries a lot, sensitive, How old, 11? And caring. He's 11. Yeah. Um, but he is extremely intelligent, has a very sensitive, like, spirit. Yeah. Um, and he'll make some waves too. So, yeah. We'll Yo, it's awesome. Yeah. It. And I, I've loved like even just getting a glimpse in how you guys have like are parenting your kids and even, even like the scriptures on the mirror and the stuff like that. It's like, I hope I have a four year old, but like and a six month old, I like, I hope that they grow up with that same level of like, this is like, we believe this stuff, like we're following Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. And power the way we think, power the way we speak, all of that. And so you guys, it's like awesome to see not only you building strong business, but also building strong kids, you know, that'll go off and do, you know, 
I'm sure great things, all three of them. I was thinking about your um, the story of your mother-in-law and and thinking like, you know, it's powerful if it's powerful like her coming into your life to help you set goals and all like it's kind of like this epic story of like this new what you were saying is like uh, an outside voice from your family taking you like a little bit further. And I think about it like right. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like that book you would... I great mean, book. I, yeah. Uh, where the guy's like, my my dad's great, but right. he's actually the poor dad in the story right. because he has his friend's dad who's this successful guy and teaches him how to build wealth and how, all this stuff. And, and it's like your mother-in-law's that. The story's cool, uh, but it, you almost assume like, does that mean you don't have a great upbringing or great parents or great like? And so talk about because you actually do. You have great, like yeah. a great family and a great foundation. Um, yeah, what were your parents like, and what was growing up for you like right. in your home? Yep, yep. So I was raised in a Christian home, yeah. uh, praying mom. Um, I had, but I did two sides to being raised in the sense that I had a mom. Um, kind of a Midwestern house mom, right? Yeah. Like take you to a little daycare in the morning, go to work, yeah. pick you up after. My dad drove truck um, and and worked the second shift, I think you would call it. So like three to three, you know, something yeah. like that, 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. So we didn't see him a whole ton until the weekends. Um, my, so you grew up not seeing your dad throughout the week yep. for the most part. Correct, yeah, yeah. And the weekends, and that be, that was normal to that you? That was totally normal. Yeah. yeah. So uh, my dad did retire when I was in high school, so I got that time with him and after. I mean, yeah. um, but my mom grew up in a Christian home. My dad, my dad grew up with ten siblings. Um, his dad Jeez. was actually in World War One, believe it or not. So that no he was born way. in eighteen ninety four. So he's young on that that the end of ten kids. Yeah. So he's I think the third youngest. Very spread out family. Yeah. Um, my oldest uncle was the age of my mom's dad as like an example of, yeah, of yeah, where it was. It. I think my grandparents, who I never met, they'd passed before I was born, but I think they were 11 or 13 years apart in age, so that that obviously helped yeah, with that yeah, too. But um, a couple down the street um, took him to church, uh, him and his, the, the three younger, so those three young how, siblings. Do you know how old he was? Um, well, my uncle above my dad actually had walking pneumonia to 18 months old, 21 months old, and went deaf. Uh, so this is 1944. Yeah. So my dad is six months old. And yeah. I think those last three kids were kind of left in a sense to somewhat fend, fend for themselves. Yeah. Um, so I think there was, you know, maybe some, it'd be interesting to talk to my dad you know, since passed away. But if there was bitterness, frustration, if that shaped him in a positive way, a negative way, I mean, yeah. I'm sure all of the above. Right. Um, but a couple down the, the street, maybe three, four, five years old, took yeah. them to Sunday school class. And, and yeah. again, I know their home was a Christian home. Yeah. I just, I don't know to what level or to what involvement. Yeah. Um, my mom's was a strong Baptist family. Yeah. Um, so we grew up with a praying mom and I think that's the key. I think my mom would, would throw us in this rocking chair and pray. And, and uh, I've never even talked to my sister about it, but I remember sitting in this, you know, now what I think is like this gross texture. She'd just sit and hold you. Just and sit pray. and hold us and pray. And, and it would be a five-minute prayer of kind of our family and my yeah. dad coming home safe to, you know, 15 minutes. And sometimes you would be carried to bed because it had gone on for an hour. Yeah. And she'd wow. be praying about people. She was an RN um, in Robbinsville at North Memorial and, uh, you know, would, would be praying for patients and other family members and people at work. And um, so I think one thing she had said to me that I, that I thought was really interesting is she talked about prayer as as a farmer hoeing a field. Yeah. And... You know, when the farmer comes back to that field in the spring, that the ground's rock hard. And when you pray, you're plowing that field and hoeing yeah, yeah. that field, right? Yep. Um, when your next generation comes behind you, that field 
Sorry, you, you start here, not here, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I think there was a foundation laid. You know, I mean, I remember being eight, nine years old in, in uh, the small church I went to. Missionaries came from Haiti and just talked about like yeah. lack of water, lack of food. And I remember twenty minutes as a ten, twelve year old by myself on my floor, just praying, praying for these people in Haiti. Like it just hit me. Yeah. So I think. The influence my mom had, little things like that, you know, the, yeah. just feeling led to pray and feeling comfort in prayer. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe not being a great student, not being the most intelligent, I yeah. relied on that subconsciously. Yeah. And then I think having my mother-in-law, you know, come in at a later age in high school where, I mean, think of the influences of high school. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, I mean, you know, you people sacrifice to be successful, right? Yep. Um, so, you know, there was times you sacrificed friendships, not really realizing it, but knowing that they maybe weren't the best influence, even though right. it was the cool thing to do to go hang with them. I think, right. you know, maybe even to a fault, my mother-in-law, you know, potentially sacrificed time with her kids or time in her marriage to influence my life, yep. um, which is an amazing thing, you know? I mean, yeah. she's a great relationship with her kids and great relationship with her husband. I don't want to confuse that, but I think... Right at that period of time, she understood what she felt led to do and where she felt like her time needed to go and, and put that influence in me. So, so the, the, the influence of like prayer, um, even as you built business and raising a family, that's, that's impacted you, your dad being a trucker, but also you said, you said before this, that he fought in Vietnam. Yeah. Um, you know, what type of dad was he? What, and what characteristics do you have, um, in your life that like you've pulled from your dad? Yeah. Um, so I watched my parents' marriage, which which was not perfect by any means, and uh, you know did not want to argue in front of my kids, which happens. Um, but you saw you your know, parents argue at times. Yeah, I mean, my yeah. parents. I didn't see my parents hug, and never saw my parents kiss. My yeah. parents, you know, I think especially let's just do at work schedules when you're that apart that yeah. much and not seeing each other. You don't other, even see them together. You don't really see them together. Um, so I think there was just a lack of kind of emotional connection sure. that I saw in their marriage. I don't know that that was the case when I wasn't around them. Yep. Um, I think, you know, how my dad was raised and, and not to make excuses, but I, no. we are shaped by what we're around. Right. Uh, you know, what my dad was raised, kind of maybe what he knew spiritually and not, not yeah. how to overcome things and what the power of your words, the power yeah. of prayer. Um, I also think, and, and I've talked to Joel who works for me, his dad does similar stuff, doesn't always drive, but will broker out deals. But yep. you know, now you have cell phones and you're sitting in your truck, you can talk to anybody, right? Right. Uh, one of Ethan's good friends calls another one of Ethan's good friends and we'll talk for hours cause he's on the road, talks to his wife for hours. You know, my dad, he went from Vietnam yep. and he was first infantry division. So you were on the front lines. He, he was actually a, a black scarf battalion, which was a ranger, which we came to yeah. find out after he passed away. So he's a ranger in Vietnam. You didn't know that. Didn't know any. He never no. talked about Vietnam. So my nephews, he has talked to a little bit about it, but we were totally out of the loop. And that's as he got older and got kind of more confused yeah, yeah. with life. Um, but uh, so it, it was a confrontational house, as we'll put it that way. He was very aggressive. He liked things a specific way. Um, I think in my point to the Vietnam and then my point to the semi-truck driving is you go through an experience like that in life and you sit in your truck and you yeah. drive and you drive, and you drive, and you do not have a cell phone, you don't have ways to communicate with people. Yeah, yeah. The devil works in your mind. Yeah, so yeah. like I talk about Leighton's ability to visualize things. Right. Like, I'm getting goats. Well, I can also talk about Caden's going 0 for 20, hitting, and going, I suck. Messing I will never play mind. college yeah, yeah. baseball. Okay, what yeah. is the devil saying to these two? Yeah, like, yeah. 
flip-flop that, right? Or, yeah. or whatever it may be. Like you have to overcome. And I think that the time that I spent in prayer and that focus in prayer, and I think what my mother-in-law eventually taught is like your vision has to be bigger than your eyesight. Your prayer life has to be more powerful than what you see in the natural. Yeah. This is a whole spiritual realm that we don't see. Yeah. And when my prayer life takes me to a wall that I can't get any farther, yeah. you're praying in tongues over that stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. get into that next level of prayer. Yeah. And I think that's that plowing the field and that's taking that next step and that's impacting your kids yes. as a 15 year old praying over your own kids yes. now you're impacting the your, your kids future right yes no so doubt i think my dad sat in a truck and probably had a lot of emotion run through him and i don't know yeah. how to process my emotion towards my wife i don't know how to process what i went through growing up or you know the the vietnam stages yeah. of life or, or whatever it may be and, it, yeah. and you know i think that puts seeds of you know anger and fear and insecurity and hurt and yeah, yeah. there was just no one he felt you know i think if you're afraid to open up and talk to somebody i know i struggle with that in my marriage yeah um you know you're afraid to open up and, and release it it becomes internal and i think the problems yeah. magnify because the devil wants to take you down with that yeah so you know we grew up there was you know cussing and swearing and he was never physical with my mom he's physical yeah, with me yeah. a couple times but um it, it was what it was right it, yeah, but yeah. i think growing up in it I didn't have a mom and, and you talk about like, you know, I want to raise my kids so that they, they right. want to desire right, right. Right. And I think I had heard somebody say this. I don't know who it was. My mom did not say this, but I think about my mom when I think about this, she didn't try to build fences around us. She tried to build fences inside of us. And so, what? yeah. So there wasn't a boundary like bless my mother-in-law's heart. My mother-in-law, they were raised a little different. Yo, so, what a sick saying. Right? I've never heard that in my yeah, life. Yeah, it was interesting when I heard that. And I mean, it yes. took me six months to kind of like lament on that. I wrote it down in yes. my goal, like just yeah. lament and process. But my mother-in-law, they were, they didn't listen to secular music. They didn't watch specific things on TV. Sure. Like yeah. Dawson's Creek was a big thing not to watch, right? right? <laughs> my mom's kind of like, whatever. Dawson's Creek. Whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. But was kind of like, whatever. You know, I remember listening to LL Cool J in the car and she's like, this is inappropriate, turn it off. And I yeah. literally got Dre Chronic and put it in the, yeah, yeah. In the CD player, right? Yeah. But what it did, and especially then as my mother-in-law kind of came in and you had some of these fences and, and, and as a teenager, you know, you're seeing your buddies who are starting to have sex. You're yeah, seeing your buddies who are smoking weed. You're yep. seeing your buddies who are good kids who just cuss. And yeah, yeah. I think my mother-in-law came in and and helped structure those fences in a sense. And I think maybe I taught my mother-in-law some stuff on that yeah, too, yeah. Uh, subconsciously, where yeah. I, listen, I remember sitting in the gym, my mother-in-law literally comes up to me. I've dated the girl for two months yeah, and says, what's going to keep you from having sex with my daughter? that bold what? and you have to meet my mother-in-law but yeah, yeah. that bold that blunt and yeah. i and i literally stared at her and was like my zipper like i, I yeah, you yeah. know what do you, you say at 16 yeah, 15 like it's embarrassing yeah, yeah. And, and i don't even know how to respond but i she goes what music do you listen to and just would drill me and i was yeah, like yeah. i like the jackson five i like oldies music and she goes yeah. well, what what happens like when does the new music become old music right yeah, yeah. but i think her walls softened on that some of that stuff being around me realizing yeah, yeah. that but i also think the fence is built on the inside where it's like, why am I listening to music? Now yeah. that I understand the confession of my mouth that she brought to me and helped yeah, me understand yeah. that, why am I speaking? Right. You're speaking that, those, those songs that you're singing. Yeah. So why am I, you know, speaking about. Yeah, so you're, you, you're, you're saying 
in your upbringing, there was some there was some fences on the outside. And uh, the, opposite, the engagement, I think oh, the they were on the yeah. inside. I think my mom taught us to make your own decision. Like, yeah, yeah like uh, sex before you're married. So not inside the best. fences, right. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But I, there wasn't openly talked about. My mother-in-law was openly, you don't Just listen right to secular music. Yeah. What are you doing? What a waste of time. What a waste of what you're speaking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, so with our kids, it's a balance of both. And, yeah, yeah. and I think trying to find that. Man, I've never heard it phrased like that, and I think it's awesome because there's a lot of parents that, yeah, they just they're try, they're just trying to fence their kid in, right? Uh, versus teaching them like on the inside of their own heart, yeah, to learn and grow on their own convictions and how God's speaking to them to hear right. from God. And, you know, obviously, there's you know, in my mind, <clears throat> there's there's like biblical, like 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 it's a clear external boundary, right? You know, uh, but there's plenty of things. It's like it's okay for this person to do. But not this person, you know, and like Kaylee and I, we try to live that way in that we, we want to know our conviction. There's like, so we're pa- like, we're pastors in ministry. This is our life. There are other pastors that we see that seem to feel free to do certain things right. um, or to, um, to not do certain things. And we, we feel like, man, God's called us to not do that or he's called us to do some things that other people aren't doing, you know. And so I think it's super important and even raising your kids like, Listen, we got to hear from God and how we should live our lives, and not put our convictions on everybody else. Right. But we're but but still not also loosen up on our convictions just because they're like it's pressure. Or we feel like oh they're doing it, I can do it. like it's not not everybody's equal in that. You know, like yeah. we have a specific calling and a specific plan, all that. So, what are you yeah, raising your kids by? pushing your relationship with God on them or are they learning their own relationship with God? And I think that's the fence side of it, right? And I think my mother-in-law as well as my mom, you know, both taught us how to have our own relationship with God. And I think the small private school we went to, there was a lot of parents who this is, we do this because we do this, right? Not we do this because here's the consequences or results or actions or influence or impact, right? Like I don't drink number one, because I have a super OC personality, so yeah. it probably would not be good. <laughs> but I also, if I'm sitting having an alcoholic beverage and my kid's looking at me who's 13, 14, 15, how do I teach them a boundary even though I know a boundary, right? Yeah. How do I, you know, how do I sit, you know, if I'm in youth ministry, let's yeah, say, yeah. and I'm having a beer at the bar and I have a, an inner city kid, you know, who I've been impacting his life yeah, and yeah. his older brother comes in, he's like, oh, bro, I saw Bryce at the bar. Yeah, yeah, like that impact. I don't care what you say. That yeah, impacts yeah, that impacts person, them. right? Yeah, yeah, and and I think th- you know being mindful of that, and and especially with our children, and trying to teach the kids to have their own relationship with God and their own yes. understanding of how He impacted. And I had my daughter one time say, you know, how do you how do you know it's real? How do you know He's real? Right? Yeah, yeah. And I said, I don't. Yeah. And she looked at me like, Are you crazy? Like, what do you mean you don't know? Like, all you've taught us yeah, is yeah. that He died on the cross. He saved me from sin. I can be healed. I can be prosperous. Yeah, I, yeah. You know all these things. And I said, all I can tell you are these, are, you know, I went through, here's 10, 15 experiences in my life, yeah, you yeah. know, from my finances to my marriage to, you know, my, my parents, to yeah, my yeah. mother-in-law coming to my life, Clark coming into my life. That's how the Lord's in my life. That's how I know that I know that I know that yeah, yeah. though I prayed this thing and it took 15 years to happen, five years to happen, five months to happen, I saw the hand of God in it. Yeah. And I know different decisions that I made where I felt at the time just kind of felt impressed to go that direction. We're a hundred percent the Holy Spirit. Like yeah. I picked up and left to go work for Clark. That was the Holy Spirit. That was yeah. the favor of God. Like those are only things that can be done. And especially I think, you know, if I'm coming out of MIT or Stanford, Harvard and amassing, 
you know, a, a, a decent sized portfolio. I still say small portfolio, yeah, yeah. you know, but a, a portfolio of real estate, if everybody would go, yeah, totally fine. Like, I understand. Like, he was a really smart guy. Like, yeah, no, yeah. I'm a D student yeah, yeah. with no education. Like, Clark is the most ADD guy in the world, and he's extremely successful, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you have to understand, like, I can see, I saw the Lord. Yeah, it's work the Lord's hand in your things, life. Right? Yeah, yeah. No so. doubt. Here's a question, uh, because saying you're a D student, you're dyslexic, all that, like, and even, even some of like, some of the, the freedom in how you present yourself, like, I think there would be some assumption that, uh, like, uh, and maybe not assumption, maybe I'm just, maybe <coughs> I'm saying it, so I don't mean to be presumptuous, not but uh, were you, like, were you? How like what was the state of your heart like say in high school like were you a nice you talk about like I loved going down with the kids like all this like yeah. were you just a poor student but a nice dude or were you like a bad kid like a bad like um and and also now in business uh like you live in a world the the whole reason we do this podcast is because you you've built something that if other people your age even if they have done it, which it's very few and far between that right. have done the same thing at the same pace, the same age. Um, they're probably not Christians. They're probably not following the Lord, you know, yet you've done it. So one answer the question about being in high school, like what, where was your heart at? Like, as it, like, were you, yeah. And then also how have you built this business and not been like, like cutthroat, poor business ethic, you know, like, and I'm assuming you haven't like ruined somebody's life, you know, like, business-wise, like whatever. Right. Um, so like in those two worlds, um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's a question I yeah. have. Yeah, uh, I mean, high school is a struggle for me, I think, educationally, but I think I, I came in, again, a small private school. So I graduated with 35, 36 kids somewhere yeah, tiny, in there, yeah. so it was small. Uh, and I came in as the new kid. I had a buddy came with me, was there three days, and left. So I'm on an island. No. I tell my mom, get me out of the school. I yeah. hate it here. Granted, it's been three days. Yeah. And she's like, we don't quit. Like, yeah, we're not you're quitting. there at least for this year. So yeah. you're there. Um, but, you know, you I went in there. There was already clicks. There was already certain relationships everybody had. And so yeah. I think it built a wall in me. Yep. And uh, it created, in a sense, a, a bitterness, but a, a positive kind of restructuring. Um, I think I grew up, you know, with a dominant dad and, and some insecurities. I think, like I said, you know, the 16 yeah. year old is working out of, but, um, you know, so I think I was insecure and shy and, um, wanting people's approval probably through middle school. Yeah. And, uh, you know, started at this school and kind of got an attitude from everybody and was like, this is ridiculous. And something just kind of clicked. Yeah. Um, I think the mother-in-law influence also, like helped me understand valuing relationships. And I think the key was, is understanding, um, the difference between a relationship with God and, you know, visually yeah. portraying a relationship with God. So yeah. we had chapel and you'd have the kids who you knew had Bacardi in their locker, you know, up there, like, praise G thank you, Lord, shout to yeah, the yeah. Lord, all the, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I'm sitting there with my arms crossed in the back yeah, like this, and bogus, I'm sure yeah. the administration thought I was the biggest jerk in the world. And I will say I was not nice. I was not polite. Yeah, yeah. I was, if, if you were genuine to me, I was genuine to you. So, yeah. um, I had a basketball coach in ninth grade, Rick Bruce, I sure <laughs> remember the name, but nicest guy and connected with him. But there was a genuine yeah, yeah. connection. The pastor who married Lynn and I was my baseball coach, genuine connection with him, two, yep. three, you know, guys and two, three girls, genuine connection with otherwise yep. everybody else was like at a wall, arm's length fence, like go right. away. And, yeah. and I think I rubbed people the wrong way in all honesty. I don't yeah. think I was like the greatest example, but. But in some cases, what you're saying, it's like, 
it's like well-deserved, like arm's length. I mean, I think there was healthy and not healthy. I think I was disrespectful in a lot of ways and and shouldn't have been like that. Um, But I think it it protected me in a lot of ways too. I don't know. It's hard to look back on that and what what was right or wrong. What about in business? Um, You know, there's plenty of opportunity for you to cheat or to (laughs) make the wrong call, cut somebody off on a deal, screw somebody over. Like, Like I just... I know enough to know that you like there's other people in your field and in your world that they make a ton of money and it's at other people's detriment. Yeah. Um, you know, how have you built what you've built without being like that? I, I honestly think the Lord's pushed me out of some things yeah. that I thought were great deals. Um, you know, that I'm going to be a part of this and all of a sudden that owner that I would have been a part of was getting sued yeah. um, or wasn't carrying himself with integrity. I, I, I honest to God, left um, you know, left the, the development company I was with because of the integrity and what was going on there. And yeah, it was, yeah. uh, um, you know, really a group of 25 to 35 year olds that were, I mean, honestly doing cocaine, doing yeah, yeah. drinking. It was like a boiler room type setting, obviously not that dramatic, but, yeah. um, you know, it was that type of setting, but I had a wife and kid to go home to. And, and I had a, a, a eventual current business partner yeah. who, who I own a couple buildings with, but, eventually, um, you know, one of the guys I worked kind of next to also had a wife and kids, you yeah. know, wasn't saved, drank, whatever, but like a gen- genuinely a good guy. Yeah. And I think having him in the office with me helped as well. Yeah. Um, you know, having a mother-in-law who, who always, <laughs> again, a huge influence in kind of her voice. Yeah. Um, and you know, praying, I mean, it, yeah. it, it like everything in my life, you know, somebody's like, how did you get there? Prayer. Yeah. How did you get there? Prayer. It's like it all came back to that time in prayer. Like I'm willing to sacrifice time hanging out with with buddies. To, to you know, it's insane to me, but it's insane to me because <clears throat> that is not the D student dyslexic, like coldest people. Uh, like the fact that you're, yeah. That but if you have nothing pr- else to rely on, like let's strip everything down, right? Yeah. And you got to feed your kids. You have to go to something. Yeah. And, and, and think of that mentality of like, all these people are talking about certain things in high school. They seem really smart. Like, why don't I get this? Yeah. Why is math so easy for 90% and I got two out of 200? Yeah. Mr. I, as my witness, I got yeah. two out of 200 on a test, right? Yeah. And, and how am I ever going to get to that level of finance, just the level of ease or success or, or whatever it may be of, of comfort, whatever somebody yeah. wants to call it? Yep. Prayer. And it was goals. And, and I think, yeah. I don't know whether my mother-in-law saw it or not. I mean, they said I was in eighth grade, you know, I was in special ed reading and that I was dyslexic and went yeah. to, and my parents didn't really do anything. You went to the new school and you were thrown in all the regular classes. So it wasn't really until the last few years that my son's been dealing with it and we yeah. diagnosed it that we were like, holy crap, you've dealt yeah. with this for a long time. No wonder yeah, we didn't you know, can't yeah. read. You're, you know, reading a book and having to reread pages. Like, yeah. so I think out of, understanding I'm a self-analyzer of what I lacked, yep. you understand where you have to compensate. You know, yeah. we were joking about, we won't go into the story, but yeah. some people will compensate with their arrogance financially because yeah. whatever it may be, you know, they have to prove that to someone. It, that, that's not me. Yeah. I needed to prove to myself. And, and honestly, I needed to prove to myself, my wife, my mother-in-law, my buddy in Florida, you know, and, and my parents, that I could accomplish something. You could do it, yeah. yeah. Right, and th- that was my influence, and those were the people I wanted to prove something to. Yeah. And, and I think 
in a negative way and in a positive way to my dad. Like yeah. you wanted me to be a postal worker. You wanted me to go get a pension. You yeah. said this would be just a good blue collar position for me. Nothing wrong with that in anyone's life. Right. I, I don't judge right. that. It just wasn't me. And yeah. there was my mother-in-law had this mentality that she instilled in me that y- you need to impact people. Yes. And through finances, churches are built. And through yes. finance, you know, people are reached in other countries. Yes. And so for you to make money, it's, it's, it is about providing for your family. Right. Go drive a Range Rover, go have a Porsche, go live in your, you know, yeah. beautiful home, whatever you want, right? Yep. But do they control you or yeah. do you control them? Does that, Great. Does, are you identified by your finances or are you identified by your impact, right? Yeah, yeah. And can your finances create impact? Yeah. And that's the key. And I think, um, you know, being able to to recognize my faults or my lacks, especially like being around Clark Gasson, he was a he, he is a genius. Yeah. He is an absolute genius, and how he thinks is so out of the box, and he sees things so 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 different in in in, in front of other people. Yeah. I didn't have that. I don't have that, and that's fine. That's not me. Yeah. But I have prayer, and so I knew getting into prayer and diving into my goal book and having a vision bigger than my eyesight. And so when times financially weren't there. When I yep. left Clark's company, yep. um, I, I had given him a resignation paper. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. I mean, I, I, I essentially assisted in running his company. Yeah, you helped him build it. Like I helped him. And yeah. I was the runt, right? Like I was not yeah, the brains yeah. behind this company. Right. He is the yeah. brains behind the company. He brought all of it in, but I was the, the, the foundation that he could just pound things right. to, and it was yeah, going to yeah. get done. And I was going to lay down for him. Like yeah. I, I, I loved it. Yep. And when I left out of honestly, like just the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and in conversation with my wife was, we got to go. And my wife's, you know, question was at the time I was probably making, I'm 25, 26 years old, probably making 160 grand a year, which was such a blessing and never thought, you know, I mean, I thought it would happen, but naturally never thought it would happen if that makes sense. And I think my salary was 89 grand a year and the rest were bonuses and commissions. Commissions, And, uh, my wife's name's Linnea and Linnea's like, look, if you quit, you don't have an education. Like, what do you do that ever produces this again? Right? Correct. I mean, I, I have no answer to that. And uh, handed in my resignation letter. And for two months, I stayed and filed papers. Like, again, speaking to like treating people the right way. Yeah, yeah. Is I'm not getting paid now, and I'm trying to get you to continue to set up this company the right yeah, way while yeah. I'm gone and you can filter to the next person. Anyway, I get a phone call from two of his investors who are vacationing with their family yeah, in Mexico. Yeah. They're gone 25 year, 25 weeks a year. And uh, they said, hey, company X wants to buy company Y's building, but their competitors, even though one's a Fortune 500 company, actually, and one's a tiny little company, it won't sell. So we're going to wire you $7.5 million. We're wiring $25,000 to uh, an attorney. Go meet with the attorney. We want you to go buy the building. So go down and meet with the attorney met the president or vice president of TCF Bank who lectured me 30 minutes of what an opportunity of how they just wired $7 million to me. I could literally leave the country and be set for the rest of my life. And uh, I went and bought this building and tighten up the story, but went and bought the building um, for 7 million. The next day sold it to the other guys for seven and a quarter plus made a commission on it. So you made a quarter million dollars plus. So it was 300 and it was like $366,000, something yeah, yeah. crazy like that. And uh, we split it three ways, but yep. it was interesting. I just left my salary just all over off the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, yeah. And over within a three month period, the Lord's like, "Oh, I got you. It's all good." No. So now, fast forward six more months, the 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 Clark who I had left that that company owed me twenty five thousand dollars, couldn't pay me. 
yeah. paid me in a stock certificate. It's all yeah, yeah. the company that we built went up, had its struggles and kind of came down. And, yeah. and again, now he's taking it to a totally different level. But at that time, just didn't have the finances to pay me. He gives me a stock certificate. And I think within four to six months, that certificate went from a dollar to ten seventy five. No. Inevitably, I made two hundred and fifty, two hundred seventy five thousand dollars. No. So it, it, it's just interesting how you know God's yes. a God of suddenlies. Number yes. one, uh, and He doesn't ever work the way you think He's going to work. Yeah. So I'm going to get my first BMW by somebody handing me car keys because they felt led. Right at sixteen, no. like you don't have a clue, and it didn't happen that way. Yeah. But. I was able to pay cash for my first BMW when I was, you know, 20 some years old. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's amazing how it works, but I think it, it, to me, it came back to, it was prayer, it yeah, was yeah. effort and it was a vision bigger than my eyesight. Yeah. That, that's all what it came down to. You, uh, all that stuff is amazing. You, uh, right now are, are like raising up is the wrong word, but you've got two guys that work for you. Friend, friends of mine as well, Joel and Ethan. These guys are legends in their own right. I love both of them. Um, but but they would lay down for you just like you would do for Clark. Like, and I'm not trying to put words in their mouth, but like I've just seen like how they honor, how they hustle. <laughs> um, but you're you're like raising them up in that same way. Like, what is it about you? Like, why why are you doing it? Because both those guys like. I don't think they could have like walked into any other property management company and like got a job if they applied. And I'm not trying to knock them. No, they'll they'll yeah. watch this probably. So, <laughs> like, I don't, uh, but like you, you gave them a shot when nobody else maybe was giving them a shot, and now they are helping run major arms of your company, which is awesome. Yeah. Well, let's. I mean, Joel was out of high school, and we're just gonna say Ethan's a college dropout because we yeah. convinced him to drop out of college. So yeah. Um, and, and I'll say, and I said this prior to this when we were talking yeah. about it, I said, I need them as much as they think they need me, whatever yeah. it is. I don't, I don't know what they think they need from me, but I know yeah, that yeah. I need them in, in the position that they're in because yeah. it's very difficult to find um, businessmen with integrity, yep. um, businessmen who will treat your money as if it's theirs. Yep. Um, you know, we do some stuff for Clark and, and, you know, Clark says to Joel or about Joel now after five years of kind of working through, yep. you know, little things that I wouldn't want anybody else on my stuff. Like he, yeah. he literally looks at my stuff as if it's his and, and owns that. And, and yeah. I think to find someone who has ownership, but, um, Joel came to me at 18, I coached high school baseball at his school Yeah, and I needed like three guys to literally break thousand square feet of concrete out of a floor that was six inches deep and then haul another six inches of, of sand out in Homer buckets out a window all summer. And Joel broke his thumbs and you know, we, they, they were 1099 to like just labor kids. We obviously did not have insurance with, you know, on them. Yeah. And so, uh, the, uh, the thought was just to bring him into the office and we'll just continue to pay him his, I think probably 13 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, in the office and, and he enjoyed it and he was going to NDSU. So he was yeah, yeah. on his way to college. That was yeah, the yeah. summer going into college yep. and, uh, would come to our house. Joel's, Joel's a very genuine and, and Joel is an arm's length guy. Yep. So everybody's at an arm's length. And when you get in the inner circle, you're in for life. Yeah. So I get my 8 PM phone calls, dog, what are you up to tonight? Like, dude, I have kids. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> like, just trying yeah. to wind down. Like, don't call me yeah. or, or like, Hey, <laughs> let's go look at this car. Right. And it's fun. And it's, yeah. uh, and it's what he brings to the table. But he, uh, he, you know, would come to our house, like hang out with our kids, kind of hang out with my wife and I, and our door was always open to yeah. any of the kids we coached. So, um, anyway, he came one day and said, Hey, I, I, I think I want to do what you do for a living. And I was like, dude, you don't want to do what I do for a living. <laughs> like I'm, I'm yeah. now I had left Clark and to kind of quickly go back 
when I had left the development company and made that, that 130 some thousand dollars, I didn't get a paycheck for five more years. So there was a what? feast, famine, and development of all this, which goes back to prayer and goes back to like yes. forcing the vision. I mean, I remember yes. my wife saying, you know, holding a pitcher saying, yeah. if there's Kool-Aid in this pitcher and I pour the Kool-Aid out, it has to be refilled, right? Yeah. And, and we're not refilling the bank accounts and crying about it yeah, yeah. And, and just like, it's okay. We're, you know, and the money we had saved, like we didn't get a Range Rover and a Coke habit, like not yeah, to be yeah. funny, but when yeah, we yeah. were making good money as, as young kids, we right. stuck it away. Yeah, so yeah. we went and bought... Uh, unfortunately, a couple went through a divorce and we bought a portfolio of real estate and we bought a couple other buildings. And so we spent all of our money on the future, yep. knowing what it was going to be in my head, in my vision, while yep. my wife's like, okay, you just took, you know, a million dollars that we had to our name. Yeah. Every dollar is gone. Yeah. How are we eating tomorrow? You know? So, uh, I mean, like threatening me to go get a job at Home Depot, threatening me yeah, to yeah. like, whatever. So Joel came over in, in, in towards the end of that, yep. you know, and, uh, I'd love to work for you. And I said, there's no money. Like you, you, yeah, I, you can't. I, first of all, go to college. I'll always tell you to go to college. Cause I didn't, I didn't do it and I didn't yeah. get to do it. And I think it's an accomplishment. I don't think it's yeah. needed by any means. Right. I don't want to confuse that, yeah. but I think it's an accomplishment, right? Yeah, yeah, no like doubt. being all conference, like yeah. you don't need to be all conference, but it's an accomplishment. Yeah. So Joel's like, no. And I said, you got to talk to your parents. Like this is, this is not going well in yeah. my head. <laughs> and so he, uh, he talked to, he's very close to his mom, talked to his mom first. I think to, I eventually talked to his dad, who's an entrepreneur himself. So they were open to it. Yeah. And I said, look, I can't, I just can't. It's a year free. It is yeah. an entrepreneur, you know, or uh, excuse me, an internship. Yeah, yeah. Um, we ended up essentially, I think he made $7,700, $7,300 that first year. So not wow. enough to, to pay for yeah, gas nothing. probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then the company, I, I'll, I'll, with him, I'll say, I think my faithfulness to bring him in cr opened up a door, uh, yeah. like supernaturally opened up a door for the company yep. and deals came. We've never marketed our company and yeah. we managed the 700 units. Now, yeah. could we be at 4,000 units? Probably. Like, yeah, do we yeah. want to get there? Maybe like that's an internal conversation we have right. all the time. Right. Uh, I even like bounce that off Clark, bounce yep. it off my wife. Um, but I think my faithfulness to him and his faithfulness to me opened a door for both of us. Joel will run my company. Joel yeah. will make very good money. Yeah, Joel yeah. will own some real estate here and, yeah, yeah. and eventually be in my same position. And, yeah. and, and the difference is my expectation for Joel and my hope for Joel is that he stays with me because yeah. there's a big picture and there's a big financial benefit to it. Yeah, if yeah. that makes you kind of yep. hook him. Um, yep. You know, where I left because some of the integrity things at the, at the, the past company. Um, yeah. Ethan... Um, as we started growing rapidly, once kind of Joel came in, Ethan came, which was about year two and a half of Joel, really. Um, you know, Ethan had come into town a few times. I could not stand his personality, super mouthy, <laughs> super sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. I told him he's insecure and just needs to get out of my face. And yeah. um, he came back one year and it, something shifted in him and yeah, yeah. was more mature, which is concerning because we all still know Ethan as a goofball, but yeah. definitely had matured and yeah. spent some good quality conversation time with him. And um, about six months after that, we had an opportunity or needed a job, you know, needed to bring in somebody. Yeah. And I had called Ethan and said, hey, we need you. Like, this is what I'm offering you. Yeah. And he's like, look, be honest with me. Would you take it? And it, well, and, and it ended up not even being with us. It ended up circling back to be with Clark, yeah, yeah. which is interesting and why I think that there's still a tie together. But, um, and it was an opportunity to, to, to do, to be a leasing agent on the U of M campus in a brand yep. new building, um, an assistant leasing agent. Yeah. 
And he goes, would you do it? And I said, no. He said, the guy's super intense. He frustrates me. He gives me anxiety and you're not getting paid enough. And he's like dead silent, right? And yeah. uh, this, I think this was his birthday. He was turning maybe 21. Yeah. And uh, he's like, all right, let me think about it and call my dad, whatever. Pretty much called his dad and is like, I'm going to Minneapolis. This is what I'm doing. His dad's like, you're a dropout. I just want you to know you're a dropout. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, Ethan came over, worked. The deal was he was going to work for Clark for a year and yeah. come over to me. And Clark knew that and worked there and, and got some experience and then came over to us and, and took part of our portfolio too. So yeah. um, they've both been, you know, a huge blessing to me more than I feel like I've been to them. I feel like, you know, when I coached, the same thing happened where you kind of always felt you're going to speak into these kids' lives and you realize learning so much from yeah, yeah. the kids you coached. So yeah. um, they've been a big, big part uh, of the company growth and a big part of where we are going. I think we have some really exciting things kind of on the forefront here. Yeah, so. as, we, as we wrap this up, uh, w what are some of the next things that are coming out? I mean, if you can share or, yeah, like the next few years, what are you planning? Are you, like you mentioned, are are you going to go to 4,000 units, things like that? Yeah. Like, is that what you're trying to do? Um, yeah, that's still on a, on a teeter tot. Joel's like, yes, give me 4, 10, 15, like let's go around the country. He can do that when he runs a company. And, and you're, you know, what, 24 years old. Yeah. So Joel's been with me six and a half years, which is insane now. And he's 24. Um, and he's 24 years old. So, um, yeah, Joel is, it, Joel's, you know, Bryce, however many years ago with the vision up here, and that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's, my anxiety is, is in, in thought processes, hiring the same integrity level, hiring the right, yeah, yeah. you know, we, we brought uh, Vanessa into the company who who's fit perfectly yeah, but yeah. it took me six months to bring her in because i'm like yeah. i don't know i don't know I, does it rock the boat i don't know what is she like does she carry herself the same integrity is she honest yeah. over trying to grab money and trying to yeah, yeah. you know influence people just to get them in the buildings like i, I want you to be here because you want to be here so yeah um yeah i think i think either way like even organically the management company will kind of grow yeah um i think the 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 big goal as i believe the market's going to kind of take some adjust you know, it's going to move and adjust here in the next 12 months to to three years um is to continue to acquire yeah, yeah. um you know if we can get buildings so you're positioning to buy yeah and if we yeah. can get buildings that i buy management contracts never we'll go grow. away, right? Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. them. So third party can always disappear. Obviously we, we don't believe for that, um, yep. but it can. And you know, the, the stuff that we go grow in house is always there. So, yep. um, that's, that's the main focus. And then we're just doing some, I don't want to talk about it too much, but doing some, some trash stuff, believe it or not, um, yeah, yeah. that I think is going to be really exciting and, Yo, and that's awesome. no one's doing it in the Midwest. So I think we're going to hit the ground hard and running. We're just, um, potentially, will it be? It won't be tenth floor then. It'll be it will a new not. company. Uh, yeah, it's it's called Trash Nanny. So look for Trash yeah. Nanny to explode. Um, just offered um, uh, a gentleman by the name of Stephen to to come over and, and to kind of be the general manager for pennies, unfortunately. But it, yeah. I, I think that there's a, a big opportunity with it. Yeah, so no and doubt. this is Joel. The, the funny thing is, this is not Bryce. Yeah, yeah. This is Joel traveling with his wife, yeah. um, spending his and his wife's money when I'm yelling at him to save it for real estate and uh, um, looking outside of the box and seeing something that we don't have in another market and going, why yeah. are we not doing this? And, yeah, yeah. and finally, after 12 months of him kind of subtly saying it, he finally you know, got the courage to park down in front of me and say, spend the money, let's do this. And I promise you it'll go somewhere. And so- so we're you're gonna, spending the money, yeah. We're going to do it. Yo, it's amazing. I can't wait to hear more about it. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. Hey, two questions as we close. Favorite book of all time? Who? <clears throat> I would probably have to go 
rich dad, poor dad, honestly. And, and, yeah. and, and again, like jokingly, but the dyslexia side of things, I'm not a big reader. Crash yeah, totally. the Chatterbox from yeah, yeah. Stephen Steve Furtick, yeah, yeah. huge in terms of this, the mental warfare. Yeah. Uh, there's a new Levi Lusco I'm reading. I have no clue. I just know it looks like a, a yeah, card yeah. on the front I declare war. I declare war. I'm in that yeah. one and struggling through it in a positive way. So yeah, um, anyway. those three books, but rich dad, poor dad for real estate, yeah. the mental side of it is definitely the, uh, the Stephen Furtick book. So, uh, last question, somebody maybe that's listening, they might be in high school or their college years, but want to do something like what you've built, you know, build something like what you've built one piece of advice that you give them. Yeah. I mean, it's getting a pad and a paper and getting in a closet, right? It's, yes. uh, you, you have to be willing to sacrifice and grind. I mean, I think I laugh at the, the millennial and now post-millennial generation. Yeah, I yeah. explained to Joel and Ethan that they are post-millennials yeah, yeah. and that my wife is actually a millennial, yeah. uh, which is concerning, but, and, and it makes a lot of sense to me now, but, right. um, you have to have the ability to sacrifice. You have to have the ability to put the effort in and, and, you know, I joke about with Joel and Ethan, how many photographers there are now. Yeah. And, and I read an article about, um, the, the post-millennial generation, they, they said, how many of you will be multimillionaires? And eight, it was like 86, 83% said, yeah, we will, I, yeah. I will. And, uh, then they went back and polled that same group within that poll, obviously. Um, and said, you know, how many of you had a plan or, or explain your plan yeah, and 12% yeah. had a plan. And yeah. so I think it's understanding what scriptures to stand on yep. is my foundation, right? Understanding how to pray that out and build my vision and then put that effort. You know, I yeah, said yeah. that to my 16 year old today, I said, I got your scripture for the year. And he's like, oh God, like, here yeah, we go. Yeah. Like, yeah. My dad. Well, I have a 15 minute drive that I just jam him with stuff, whether I'm irritating him and like yeah. trying to grab his newfound pecs or whether I'm, yeah. you know, trying to <laughs> preach to him and preach yeah. to myself at the same time. But I said, it's everything I put my hand to prospers. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, I just did that when I hit the other day in the cage. And I was like, every time you touch the bat every time you touch the baseball yeah, yeah. and I was like you speak it with authority because yeah, Jake yeah. who who I worked with yeah uh played minor league ball and I won't say what he said uh we'll paraphrase it but he said I looked at the guy on deck See, Jake's like five seven yeah, but yeah. Bradley Hall of Fame division one baseball um Mr. Baseball in Minnesota and then played in the minor leagues and he said I turned back and I said I'm effing hitting this one out yeah okay yeah. I'm not gonna talk like that yeah, but yeah. I get what he, like, you spoke it, yeah, yeah. you believed it, it developed yeah. confidence in you. Like at the end of the day, I, I tell my kids, like faith, I said, we all know the little kid in class who lies and yeah. he literally believes his lies, like convinced yeah. that what he said was true, but he completely lied. Is That's kind of faith, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a very bad example of faith, but it's faith. Like yeah. if I can speak it enough, if I can believe it, if I can force that mentality. If I can believe yes. for those goats or see myself as that major league pitcher, we videoed Caden walking out, Ethan and I, yeah. onto to the field of the Texas Rangers. No. And so that he could watch that video over and over, over, and over. so he could close his eyes and picture himself walking out there with crowds, right? Yeah, yeah. You start to visualize that, you start, start to, to believe, believe it, it yeah. those things will happen in your life. Yeah, Whether yeah. the baseball was something that you believed for that never happened, that taught you how to grow and believe right. in your faith, yeah. right? And it, yeah, or it shows up in finance and economics. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yo, it's amazing. Thanks for being here. Yeah, good to this have you. This is awesome. Good to be here. I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube or anywhere podcasts are found. To stay connected with what we're doing, you can also follow us on Instagram at Exception Podcast and visit our website at exceptionpodcast.co. New episodes are releasing every Friday. 
If you know someone who is an exception to the rule and want us to share their story, you can let us know on our website. We're always on the lookout for new stories to share. Until next time, remember, as a rule, be an exception to the rule. Peace.